Welcome to this Ask the Expert event in partnership with Stafford Soccer. This special event is focused on the healthy athlete and sports injuries, particularly when it comes to ACL tears. Tonight, we will share helpful information on ACL injury, how to prevent it, and care options. Let's meet our panelists. First, we have Dr. Christopher Richards, an orthopedic surgeon with Mary Washington Orthopedics in affiliation with FOA. Dr. Richards is fellowship trained in sports medicine with expertise in pediatric sports medicine, cartilage restoration, multi-ligamentous knee injuries, hip arthroscopy, and other complex sports medicine procedures. From Stafford Soccer, we have Fernando Ramos. Coach Ramos is the technical director of Stafford Soccer. Thank you both for joining us this evening. Dr. Richards, I'd like to start the program with you um, by telling us a little bit about sports medicine and some of the common injuries you see. Sure, so sports medicine's kind of a broad term of, um, you know, basically a certain type of injuries that I see and a certain type of treatment um, thought process when it comes to those injuries. It's not just athletes, obviously, it's the weekend warriors, it's, it's even just, um, you know, things that happen to rotator, like tendons or, or ligaments in the body during other, other injuries. Um, the most common things that I see are typically injuries of around the knee, um, ligament injuries there, cartilage injuries, sprains, uh, also in the shoulder, occasionally some hip, um, and then the ankle is a common one too, obviously. Everyone knows about ankle sprains. Thanks, Dr. Richards, for that quick overview. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the, the sports that your patients play and um, some of the specific injuries that you might see from those? Sure. So it's a, it's a wide variety of sports, obviously, anywhere from the typical football, soccer, baseball, to gymnastics, dance, um, roller skating, you know, uh, weightlifting is a common one. So, you know, all of those, anytime we participate in any kind of sport, physical activity, there's inherent risks with it. And then, you know, you can get injured. And then those are typically what I see as a sports medicine surgeon. Great. Thank you, Dr. Richards. Um, at this time, I'll turn it over to you and Coach Ramos to talk more about sports medicine and specifically ACL injuries for soccer players. Thank you. More and more in this area, I'm starting to see a lot more ACL tears um, at all levels and all age groups, including high schools and travel soccer. Um, I've seen it in our club and I've seen it also in neighborhood clubs. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what is an ACL tear um, and what is an ACL? Sure. So, I mean, most people know about the ACL injuries. It's probably one of the more catastrophic injuries you can suffer as an athlete, longer recovery. So an ACL is the anterior cruciate ligament. It's a structure on the, in the central portion of the knee. What it does is it prevents anterior translation. So it prevents the the tibia, which is the lower part, your shin bone, from moving forward on your thigh bone or your femur. Uh, it also protects against some rotation too. And those are typically how we injure those, is either a sudden deceleration from, from running, sprinting, um, could be a twisting injury, could be a contact injury. Um, but when, the, when it's stretched beyond its limits, that's when it, when it tears. 
Great. Yeah, I know as a player growing up and, and now even as a coach, when you see uh, a player go down and holding their knee, it kind of turns into a soccer player's worst nightmare, not only for the player, but for the coach. So um, that's very good information. Um, are, there, are there different types of grades or, or levels of ACL tears? You can, you can sprain it, which is a partial tear of the ACL. Um, that's where you know, a portion of the fibers tear, but there's no change in the stability of the knee. Uh, you can sprain it a little worse where you tear, you know, say 50% of the fibers and, and maybe stretch the, the remaining fibers so that they're still technically intact, but they're loose and they're not doing what they're supposed to. And then you can completely tear it. You can also, in kids, uh, have different injuries where you tear part of the bone that it attaches to. And, and instead of tearing the actual ligament, you, you break that bone that it attaches to right there. What about pre-existing conditions? Are there any pre-existing conditions that can, uh, you know, lead more towards an ACL tear? Yeah, so there's certain modifiable risk factors and non-modifiable risk factors that can kind of put you at risk for an ACL tear. So for example, the non-modifiable risk factors are, you know, there's a little bit of a genetic component, family history, maybe your mom or your dad tore it when they were younger. Uh, gender, unfortunately, females have significantly more likely to tear their ACLs than their male counterparts for the same sports. And there's a wide thought on why that is. It could be anatomic factors, different, you know, angles of the hips. Um, hormones, different neuromuscular differences. For example, what I mean by that is uh, female athletes tend to be quad dominant. So their quadricep muscles in the front of their knee are a lot stronger than their hamstring muscles in the back of their knee. And the hamstrings can be protective to the ACL. So, you know, that potentially sets them up for it. You know, if you had a previous injury and maybe it was one of these lower grade injuries to the ACL where you didn't completely tear it, but it's still not quite functioning, that can set you up for a complete tear. And then there's the modifier risk factors, obviously muscle strength. We just talked about that. Neuromuscular control. So there's some different training exercises you can do to kind of get your body ready for competition that have been shown to lower the rates of ACL tears in men and women. Um, you know, technique is another one. If, you, if you're not doing the proper technique, uh, reduced, you know, the reduced training, again, kind of goes along with the, with the uh, muscle strength. And then sports. I mean, each sport carries a different risk as well. Yeah, I agree. I know, um, you know, not only being the technical director with Stafford Soccer and watching all the travel teams um, play in, in not only Stafford Soccer, but like I said earlier, neighboring clubs, I, I'm seeing more and more, like you said, it affecting the female side. Um, about two or three years ago um, at Mountain View High School, I also coached the varsity girls soccer team at Mountain View High School. And um, I had four females with torn ACLs in the same season. So yeah. um, I, I've witnessed it being more on the female side. And female soccer is the highest incidence of ACL tears of all the sports. So, so they've kind of looked uh, at different, like, uh, tear rates and you know the risk factor per season per sports in high school athletes based on gender by far the highest one is that female soccer one you know significantly higher than their male counterparts in the same sport and incidentally you know higher than football like the big one that you hear about and so it's the highest one the female soccer and then closely followed by basketball female basketball so it's definitely um a disproportionate 
I think if you were to look at the overall number of ACLs that are done, it's probably more males, but you know, I think that's just a little bit more male athletes, but that's starting to shift as you're seeing, you know, with more and more females playing athletics, uh, there's a risk with it. And then the risk, unfortunately, is those are those ACL tears. So I think the number disproportionately affects female athletes, unfortunately. I guess kind of starting with step one, a player goes down, they're holding their knee, more likely than not, maybe an athletic trainer is doing some exams on their knee, checking to see if the ligaments are loose, they go to the doctors and they get diagnosed with a torn ACL. What What's next to treat a torn ACL? Is there surgery involved? Is there at times, um, will it heal itself? Um, how, how do you treat a torn ACL? So the ACL, unfortunately, doesn't heal itself. It doesn't have a good healing, healing properties. It doesn't have a good blood supply. Unlike the MCL, which I'm sure a lot of soccer players have heard of too, that does heal itself. And those are able to be treated non-operatively. You know, it's a, you have a choice when you tear your ACL. I think the strong recommendation when the, when you tear it is to get it fixed, reconstructed, and that's because, you know, especially when you're young, what we know from the really young literature is that if if you delay an ACL reconstruction, you have a much higher incidence of other injuries in the knee, to the meniscus or the cartilage. So most people under the age of thirty will will kind of strongly suggest that you get it reconstructed, and then the timing on that. You know, you have to kind of wait a little bit. There's a little window at the front end of the injury where you can do an ACL. And that's when you hear all the professional athletes getting theirs done like right away. They got seen MRI that night and then they're in surgery the next day or so. Outside of that, you, you generally have to wait about a month and you want the swelling to go down. You want to get your range of motion to go, come back. You want to get some strength built up. And then at that point, you can think about undergoing a reconstructive surgery. What is the length of... Uh, recovery until maybe you're back at it with with you know non-contact then full contact on average does it depend on the girl or does it depend on the guy and the severity the typically when do they get cleared for full contact so there's some metrics with that meaning there's some certain strengths that you want to hit before getting cleared to play it depends and there's some there's some decent literature out there that says it takes about nine to 12 months to fully 100% regain your strength. That being said, um, it really depends a lot on the, on the type of graph that you choose to redo your ACL. Um, you know, you kind of have three choices. You have patella tendon, you have quadriceps tendon, which is the one I like to use, and you have hamstrings tendons. Um, I think quadricep tendons, and then you have allograft and autograft. Allograft is someone else's tissue, autograft is your own tissue. You know, under the age of 30, you should really be using your own tissue just because the, the incidence of tearing that again is much lower if you use your own tissue. But, I, you know, I use a quad tendon, so I can speak to that. And, the you know, typically what I see is about six to eight months, my patients are kind of hitting their targets. And I would say the average is about seven to eight months that they're getting cleared by me in physical therapy, because that's a major part of the reconstructive process is physical therapy. And then some people choose to go back and embrace, some people don't. And that's a little bit of a, I leave it up to a personal choice. And what about when they finally get full clearance? Um, I've witnessed um, a few cases where some doctors are allowing them to not wear the brace. Is, is it recommended that they wear a brace? I think um, what I was used to was that if you tore your ACL, you get back into full contact. 
you at least need to wear a, a brace for at least maybe a year to two years of being back on the field. Is that going away or is that case by case on the doctor or um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's case by case. I personally don't use it. I have, like, I don't make it mandatory. I certainly have patients out there that use a brace and, and some of that's, even though they've hit all of their strength metrics and they're strong enough to be cleared to play, um, there's still that psychological barrier. You just had a big injury to your knee. You underwent the surgery and this prolonged recovery. And so I think in some respects that helps, but I don't make it mandatory. I think there's some people that still do when you go back to a high risk sport, make it mandatory. Um, I don't think that's wrong, but I, you know, I haven't had any issues with, you know, re-injuries of it as long as they were properly cleared by, you know, the physician and the physical therapist to go back to sports because part of the rehab process is doing the agility drills that come along with that sport. So um, it's not like you just get cut loose and you go, you go back out there and you've never, you haven't done it seven months. So that you get built up to it. Oh, great information. Thank you. So more and more, I feel like our, our, our athletes, especially when they get into their teenage years are playing more and more. They're playing, you know, they could be playing high school, they could be playing club travel soccer, they could be representing their, their state with the Olympic development program. Um, they could be playing at the professional level as well. And they're doing more and more tournaments and showcases and college ID showcases. And it just seems to be more and more. Do you have any recommendation for recoveries for some of our athletes? Um, you know, are, should they be doing their own treatments before and after training? Um, I know when I played in college, there were times where I would show up a couple hours early for practice just to get, you know, the local stem on the back or the, 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 the heat pad just to, to help with any lingering injuries that I might have that to help prevent something major from happening. Do you have any advice for athletes with, you know, kind of just taking care of themselves before and after training? Yeah, I think um, some of it, that's, I mean, it's a good question because it's got a lot of different elements to it. So yeah, so I kind of threw it all at you. I kept going. <laughs> yeah, well, one of this, well, I mean, the answer is, I mean, one of it is sports specialization. You know, there's this debate on, do you, you let your kids subspecialize at such an early age? Like, you know, because especially you see a lot of attention with like little league or something like that, where there's the pitch count and everything else, but then they'll go and they'll be the quarterback of the football team. And, you know, it's not really giving it a break. And then, you know, like you said, you're playing on your high school team and your travel team, and then maybe you're doing like an Olympic development camp and, and those risks for injury are cumulative, you know? So you do want to give ample time for recovery, both for, you know, muscle development, and injury risks, um, so, yeah, I think there's there's a few things that they can do. One is, is you do want like a down season. You do want to change up the sports. You don't want to play the same sport on multiple teams for four seasons. So, I mean, it's, it's, I know a lot of people do, but there's risks associated with that. And then I think as long as you know those risks, you know, and make an educated decision, you can do that. You know, there's also some things you can do to help specifically for the ACL, prevent the risk of ACL tears. So, you know, a couple of different programs have developed these uh, warm-ups that you can do. Where I trained was part of what my training was done at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So the musculoskeletal center there developed this thing called Ready, Set, Prevent, which is basically, uh, you know, it's, it's on YouTube. It's a series of YouTube videos, but it's, it's a warm-up, about a 10 to 15 minute warm-up that you can do 
prior to any competition. And it's been shown to decrease your rate of ACL in some studies by half in female athletes and upwards of 80% in the male athletes. Um, one of my last questions that I've got here is, you know, what happens if you don't treat it or what if it gets um, misdiagnosed? Um, it, does it depend on your age range? Like if you're, let's say, the difference between your teenage years and, you know, in your upper thirties where you're retired, you know, what happens if you don't treat it in those age groups, you know, is, does it differ between the teenage years and when you're just, you hung up the boots and you're retired? Does it matter at that point? I think the younger you are, the more likely you are to um, be exposed to like something that would cause an instability event in the knee if you were to not treat the ACL tear. You know, for someone who's older, it may be easier to say, well, I'm not going to play clubs or pick up soccer anymore. I just don't want to, I'm done with that now. But, you know, for kids, I think the risk is that you can, if it gets missed, because I've seen that happen a couple of times, you can get other injuries to the knee, like we talked about earlier, you, mostly usually meniscus, but you can also get cartilage injuries. And that's because, you know, you get instability episodes in the knee and other structures try and take over for the ACL, but they're not as good at it. And then that's why you can get other injuries in there. So I think it's it's risky. I wouldn't really recommend it, and, and especially kids, just because it's pretty well documented in the literature that there's a lot of risks associated with it. So like you said, I think as you're older, you know, maybe you don't do it anymore. So you can, and I have some patients that elect not to do it. They do rehab, they wear a brace if they're going to do something, you know, hiking a couple times a year or something like that. Um, but, but I typically don't see that in the younger population. That's something I personally just always wanted to know, just because I know as a player, I would have definitely wanted to have it right away to get back on the field. But I've always told myself as a coach, really, all I'm really doing these days is demonstrating. So would I really want to go through the whole process? So it's right. kind of, that was for me. So thank you. I'm sure we could talk forever on ACL tears and I, I'm sure this is going to be great for not only our club, but hopefully other clubs. But I did have one more that I just thought about when players get back, they, they tend to limp for a little bit. Um, does that go away? Does again, that differ with every player depending on their athleticism and their body figure, et cetera, et cetera. And is it up to them to then through that rehab, build that muscle groups around the knee in order for that limp to go away? Because I know a lot of times I get that question asked for my players. Yeah, so the limp can happen for a few reasons. One, weakness, you know, you're still kind of on the earlier side. What I see it typically is they don't have their full knee extension back. So they can't get their leg all the way straight yet. And whether that's from stiffness or swelling, um, when they have that, there's they limp because they, they can't walk in a normal pattern once they can get it they're like completely straight again that limp goes away uh, and then you don't notice it anymore perfect well well thank you for answering all my questions i i know that was very informative not only for me but i'm sure for all our viewers sure yeah, thanks to you both for this great conversation. And we have had some live questions coming in from folks in our community who are watching. Um, so let's dive right into those if you're ready. One question from our community comes from a parent who has a child in um, travel soccer and also high school soccer. I'm wondering about the benefits, if there are any, for sports massage. Um, Dr. Richards, could you start out with a couple of comments for us? 
So, I mean, I think sports massage certainly has its role, um, you know, especially as you start to get kind of, you know, strains and sprains. I mean, there are massage therapists that are trained in that, in anatomy. As a role for every day, if you're not having issues, I don't, I don't know that there's a role for that, but certainly, you know, injury, like a muscle strain, a hamstring strain, something like that you know, about like a spasm in one of your back muscles. I think there's certainly a role for those. Thank you. And, and coach, do you have any players who have seen benefits from using sports massage? Yeah, I, I have. Um, I think like Dr. Richard said, it kind of just depends and it can be beneficial um, to some and it could be uh, just one strategy to kind of get you back on the field a little bit quicker. But again, it, it kind of just depends. Thank you. Uh, another question coming in from a parent in our audience tonight uh, is wondering about their, their son who uh, has micro tears on his hamstring um, and just commenting that they're noticing some injuries that seem to correlate with, um, with his growth. And do you have any tips to help parents who may be seeing these issues with their growing child who participates in sports? Yeah, so I think the most common thing I see for growing children participating in sports is, is pain kind of around the front of the knee where the knee attaches to their shin bone. Uh, and that's, you know, I see it in, in girls too, but boys by far the most common. And, you know, there's a couple of schools of thought on that. I mean, some, some people think maybe the bones are at this rapid, it always happens at like the rapid growth phase, you know, that 12 to 14 year old boy. And so, you know, that the bones are growing rapidly and it pulls a lot of tension on it. Um, you know, I think the best thing, especially in that rapid growth phase is, is you can get tight, uh, you can lose your flexibility. Uh, and so stretching is really important as far as injury prevention and, and to prevent those types of things. Thank you. Uh, we also have a, a question that I think is a follow-up to um, some of the discussion that you both had about injuries specific to female players. And do you see um, a commonality or a higher instance of these injuries with either um, like a, a blow to the knee during play or are those injuries more due to like stepping or turning in a way that causes injury? Dr. Richards, why don't you start us out? Uh, I definitely see the non-contact injury more. Um, you know, obviously in the winter you see like the skiing where the knee gets torqued, but as far as the soccer and the sports, it's it's typically that they, you know, planted wrong or they tried to shift positions. And, and sometimes it happens right next to someone. So you can't tell if they got bumped or, or sometimes they do get bumped and it causes them to do something that they weren't expecting to do, anticipating to do. And then that goes along with that neuromuscular control that we were talking about. And then they can injure their knee that way. So I would say typically it's, it's a non-contact injury. It's not typically the blow to the knee that causes it. Right. And, and coach, can you tell us a little bit about some of those things that you've seen in your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, earlier when I said, you know, the player and the coach's nightmare, like when I witness a player go down um, with no, with the ball nowhere around or no, no opponent anywhere around and they just maybe planted wrong or, um, and they go down in pain holding their knee, that's, that's to me a, a coach's nightmare. Um, because that's the first thing you're going to think is is ACL tear and you're going to hope that maybe it's just an MCL like like Dr. Richard said where it can kind of heal itself um, over maybe a two three week period versus a ACL tear so 
Um, I definitely have seen it um, more often than I wanted to. Um, so it, it, like doctor said, it's usually not uh, with no contact and, nowhere, and no one else around. Thank you. Uh, well, we've probably all heard the old adage that an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. Are there any exercises that you would recommend to athletes to help prevent injury and keep those knees in good shape? Yeah, I think the big one is that um, ready, set, prevent program I mentioned that the, you know, the center at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia helped to create. There's a few of them. I mean, California, if you kind of search for them, they come up. But the ready, set, prevent is the one that I know from my training, and, you know, my bias from that. But um, it, it's about a 10 to 15 minute warm up that gets you ready to, to play. It gets you kind of neuromuscularly ready to play the sport. And then that's been shown to help decrease the incidence of ACL tears if you do that. So I tell all my patients about it, um, you know, when they come in with an ACL injury to kind of prevent it, because typically you're more likely to tear your other ACL than the one you just had fixed. So, you know, to kind of limit that, um, I tell them all about it to start looking at it. And I know a couple of them have gotten their teams to do it and things like that, so. Thank you. And coach, did you have anything to add? Sure. Um, you know, in the off season, we, we, we try to build and tone our players, you know, um, quadriceps and their hamstrings with leg curls and leg extensions in, in the weight room. And, you know, with soccer, it's not so much about how much muscle uh, you can, you can gain, but you know, how much tone you can build. Um, so once you get on the field, we like to work on a lot of agility, a lot of zigzag type of movement. So, you know, now that in the off season, they're building a little bit of muscle, making it nice and toned, nice and strong. And then we look to see how fast we can get them, how much agility from side to side they can do. And, and hopefully, you know, it will help prevent some of, some of the uh, ACL tearing possibilities, so. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We have um, a couple of other questions um, about surgery. You, you touched on this a little bit earlier, Dr. Richards, about you know surgery as an option for you know really repairing these these tears since they won't fix themselves. But can you talk to us a little bit more specifically about what that surgery entails? So it's done arthroscopic. So this is done with a little incision and then a camera that you see. Uh, you kind of look at the knee all around. Um, repair other things because sometimes you can injure meniscus or cartilage along with the ACL. Then you kind of remove a good section of the torn ACL to make room for your new ACL. And you take a little piece of tissue. In this case, this is a piece of quadriceps tendon and you put it in where the old ACL was and then you fix it within the knee. And then that, you know, the bone kind of grows into it and it heals over time and then that's how you get your new ACL done. So it's done through, you know, arthroscopic, small incisions. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I I prefer to use the quad tendon. There's there's other ways to do it, but that's just the one that I've trained on, you know, for several reasons. Um, I treat a lot of kids. So with open growth plates, um, you don't want to put bone across that. Uh, also some kids are so young that they have a lot of growing left and you want to do a growth plate sparing ACL reconstruction. So for all of those, you need um, soft tissue graphs. So this is kind of a graph that I can use in all those instances. I can use it in someone who's 35. I can use it in someone who's 16. I can use it in someone who's 12. And, and so it's a pretty good graft. Um, 
and then that way everybody kind of knows what's going to happen as far as the graft harvest the prep and then there's just different ways to put it in there based on their age right that's that's great information to know dr richards that you know this technique is is valuable and helpful for patients really of all ages that you treat that's that's good to hear um, Coach, we do have a question coming in um, about turf and cleats. <laughs> so um, a parent that's, that's writing in um, has a child that's had a lot of injuries, and they were told to be careful of turf lock, and if there are certain cleats that their child should be wearing to help avoid injury. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that with our community? Right. So with, with soccer cleats, um, there's a wide variety of um, cleats that you can purchase. I think back maybe 15 years ago, you could actually get what was called screw-ons. And it was probably a, um, you would get a spike. It could be metal or, or plastic, and it could be a half an inch in length. And that was made to play on like grass, Bermuda grass, and on rainy days, so you had better traction. Um, you don't really see that as much anymore. Um, you have about a quarter of an inch plastic spike. I, I'm calling it a spike, that sounds worse than it is, um, but it, it helps with traction and it's plastic. Now, I'm not so sure. I know what the rumors are that possibly, you know, if you're wearing soccer cleats with the quarter inch, um, you know, depth of, of um, I'd say uh, trying to find the right word, but I'll just keep using spike um, is is causing ACL tears. That I don't know, and I would you know be curious to what Dr. Richards thinks. Um, but you the, you have the third option, which is they call them turf cleats, and it's it's narrowed that spike even less to maybe even now a quarter of an inch. So that's made for turf. So it's a preference thing right now. Players, you know, some players prefer turfs. Some think they still slide a little bit out there on turfs, so they prefer the normal cleats where you're, you know, so it, you know, I'm interested to hear what Dr. Richards thinks about, you know, is, is it a turf monster out there or is it, you know, just a myth? No, I think to some extent there is. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's just a, I was just looking at a study earlier because there's a whole big discussion on this now, obviously, if anybody watched the Super Bowl, you know, but there's, there's a study that kind of looked at turf injuries, specifically at the knee, um, and they didn't really find a major significant difference with soccer, but football, there is, a, there is a big difference, and it's across all levels of play. So, so I think there's probably something there about that, and, and that's what I tell people when they ask me is what you just touched on about the size of that cleat, the depth of that cleat, uh, how aggressive it is, I guess you could say. And you definitely want to go with a little less aggressive cleat if you're going to play on turf because it's not the same even those ones with like the rubberized pellets and try and mimic you know the grass field more it's not the same so uh, you don't want to wear the same equipment sure, i agree i think when i if if i'm out there playing in our our adult league and that's a little pitch to our adult league if you're an adult and you want to still play soccer sign up for our adult league um, but I, I prefer to play with the turfs, which is less depth on the cleat. So um, because I do think that, like you said, the pebbles, you still sink a little bit. So um, so I, I, I err on the side of caution and I play with uh, turfs. Thank you both. Um, we do have uh, just a couple more questions to get through tonight. 
one question from a member of our audience is wondering if soccer as a sport um, can do anything uh, collectively to help reduce the, the number or um, instances of ACL tears and just knee injuries in general in the sport. Coach, do you want to start us out? I, yeah, I think I kind of touched on it a little bit ago. I think the exercises that we, you know, that we do in training, you know, the, um, I call it the speed agility. Um, it can be with or without a ball. And um, I think all, a lot of that helps with not only the quickness of a player, but also helps with the prevention of, of ACL tears. Thank you. Dr. Richards, do you have anything to add? No, the same thing. I mean, it's, it's obviously any sport you play is going to have risks. And I think to, to limit those, exactly what Coach Ramos was saying, is, is you kind of, you got to do that, those trainings, the warm-ups before the games, the trainings in the off-season. Um, and I think those are important to kind of help limit your risk. Thank you. And one final question for this evening. Um, Dr. Richards, you mentioned earlier a couple of different times in the program that the ACL won't heal itself. Um, but for somebody who is, um, you know, not really prepared to go through surgery to have it repaired, can you talk about some of the, the disadvantages of, of not getting that procedure done or, or any kind of treatment done? Sure. And I think it depends on the age. And um, I think the younger you are, there's a higher chance of injuries. And we know that from the, the you know, the pediatric, the, the literature in kids that they used to wait to do ACLs until the growth plates healed and then or, you know, complete, or were at least close to being done growing. Um, and what they found was a higher incidence of injuries at the time of surgery. Um, so I think when you're young, you know, obviously it's, it's still an elective thing and you don't have to have it done. It's not you know, a life-threatening or a limb-threatening injury. But I think most people would advocate, most sports medicine surgeons would advocate you know, kids getting it reconstructed just because the, the rate of injury in addition to the ACL is so high. Now, I kind of touched on that earlier too. And I said, as you get older, you can sometimes modify or you, know, you don't really want to go through that big surgery and you're okay you know, wearing a brace on the few times that you may have instability. Um, so I think a lot of it depends on age and uh, you know, what you're kind of willing to, to accept as risks. You know, I won't ever you know, sell surgery or, or talk you into surgery. So I, I really kind of just lay it all out there for the parents and the, the, the patients to decide and they have to, have, they have to make their own decision about it. Very good, thank you, Dr. Richards. Um, so we are out of questions in our live Q&A, so we're gonna wrap it up for this evening. So I just wanna send a huge thanks to both of you as our expert panelists for sharing your time and expertise this evening. And of course, I'd love to send a huge thank you to you, our viewers, for tuning in to this special Ask the Expert event. For more information on Stafford Soccer, we invite you to follow them on Facebook and visit their website at staffordsoccer.com. And if you have questions about sports injuries or want to learn more about Dr. Richards and his services at Mary Washington Orthopedics in affiliation with FOA, you can visit him online at practices.nwhc.com. Again, many thanks to you all for joining us this evening. Be well and stay safe out there.